Well, let me say welcome home. I'm so glad that you are joining us. If this is your first time, I'm so grateful. You are dialed in to watch this message and to be with us for a few minutes. It really does mean a lot to us that you would give us a little bit of your time. And it's been so exciting over these last two weeks in this series called Welcome Home. As a matter of fact, last Sunday, we had people checking in from Indonesia, Canada, South Carolina, Louisiana. And so why don't we do this? In the chat room, just shout out where you're from, where you're watching this from right now. And uh, we would love to just celebrate, to be a part of a community together for the next few minutes as we continue in this story. So no matter where you're from or where you're watching this from, we are so, so glad that you're here. And again, if you're just joining us, we've been in one of the most famous parables that Jesus ever told. And it's called the prodigal son is the way it's actually termed in the scripture and in your Bible. And we said many times the word prodigal, we've mistaken to think it's a runaway or a bad kid. And that's not what the word actually means. The word prodigal that we've discovered together actually means extravagant, excessive, uh, over the top, lavished, in abundance of. There's actually one definition a lack of restraint. You are so excessive in what you're doing that there is a lack of restraint. And it all applies to this word called prodigal. And again, Jesus is telling this story about the prodigal son. And you actually need to know this, but it's not just the son that's a prodigal in the story. There are actually four prodigals in this story. And today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk about each of the prodigals, but I want to do something else. I want to read to you the entire story. Again, the great thing, if you haven't been with us, I'll bring you up to speed on what we've talked about. And if you've never read the story all in one piece, then that's what we'll do today. And I really do believe you're going to learn a whole lot. And hopefully by the very end, our lives will love Jesus a little bit more than when we first started watching this together. And so uh, the very first prodigal in the story is the younger son. If you remember, the father had two sons. The younger son looked at his father and said, I wish you were dead because when you die, I get half of the estate. And so why don't you go ahead and pretend you're dead and give me what's due for me and mine. And so the father obliged. He divided up his wealth and he gave half to his younger son and he gave a double portion actually to the older son who we'll talk about in just a moment. That younger son took the father's money took the father's name, the father's reputation, and completely ruined it in a lifestyle far away from home. And the reason he did that is the reason that we've all fell for as well. We believe that life is found away from our heavenly father. Sin becomes so enticing. Um, It dazzles us. It captures our imagination. And so for a moment of time or maybe for a season of time, We believe that life is found away from our father, not in our father's home in his embrace. And the younger son fell for it and spent everything on what scripture says was wild living. We know that that means party after party after party and everything that a worldly party would throw at this younger son. He was prodigal, excessive in abundance of enjoying until he ran out of money, ran out of friends economy took a downturn and he finds himself in a pig pen and he was prodigal in the way that he responded to his father however second prodigal in the story is actually the father and we've talked about him each week because it's amazing 
he was more prodigal to the younger son than the younger son was more prodigal to the father. The father's grace was in abundance, way beyond the sin of the younger son. The father's mercy and love and acceptance was way more prodigal than the younger son in his wild living. And this actually blew the, 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 the listener of the day who was listening to this live, blew their mind that a father would actually treat a younger son that way. And if you remember last week, we talked about that the father took the shame, took the embarrassment of what the younger son actually deserved, the father willingly and on purpose took that on himself. So the father, mind-blowing, mind-boggling that the father would do such a thing for such a young son, very prodigal in grace, mercy, love, forgiveness, and acceptance. And there is a third prodigal in the story. And the third prodigal in the story is the older brother. The older brother was very prodigal, over the top, lavished in unforgiveness, in bitterness, in anger toward everything that was happening in this entire story. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know if you grew up with a sibling or not, or maybe you have uh, some children living in the house, but there's usually, come on, let's just admit it. We don't want to admit it, but we're going to admit it. There's usually a bad kid and a good kid, okay? So now don't write in the chat room, my brother's the bad kid. Don't do that, okay? Just saying there's usually a bad kid and a good kid. And the, the bad kid is wearing the parents out, right? It's like every time the parents turn around, uh, we got to go get him out of the principal's office, right? Um, they get a phone call. Mom, dad, where are you going? We're going down to the, you know, police department. They're in jail again, constantly belling the bad kid out over and over and over. Another phone call. What's happening? They're in Mexico. We got to get them home. I mean, it gets crazy after a while, but then here's what usually happens. You got the bad kid, the good kid usually tries to overcompensate for what the bad kid is doing in the house. They keep their bed tight. They make straight A's and not just straight A's, straight A pluses. Things that would never be said about me in school. But this is like their, this is like their MO. This is how they live life. And there's a, there's a belief, well, you know what? My parents are so whacked out about my brother and how crazy he is right now in the family that I'm gonna help them out. And I know, I know they're gonna look at me with more favor, more love, more gratitude that the way I'm living my life, they're gonna give me a big thumbs up because I'm not doing anything like my brother is doing. And then about the 86th time, the young bad kid calls the parents into the living room and he goes, I mean it this time. <laughs> Sorry, I mean it this time. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm gonna change forever. And you, the good kid sitting on the staircase going, Please tell me that you are not falling for this again. Please, please tell me you can see through. He's got pot in his room right now. There's no way he means what he's saying. Don't fall for it. And you're watching the, your parents, right, with the, with the bad kid go, we're so glad you finally made the decision. We're going to go celebrate. We're all going to Luby's. That's where we're going. All you can eat. We're going to throw a party because you've changed your way. And the good kid's going, I cannot believe that they're falling for this, right? It's a very familiar story. 
This is the story Jesus is actually telling, but he's telling it to a very specific group of people. And I want you to look at this. And here's how it started in Luke chapter 15, verse one. All the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained saying, this man talking about Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. Now, a very practical question would be, who else is he gonna eat with? <laughs> I mean, it's Jesus. The only people on the planet are sinners. He gonna eat by himself or he's gonna eat with sinners. But their point was, he actually enjoys eating with sinners. Like it, like, it drives him to spend time with them. He puts it on the calendar to be with sinners and they couldn't figure it out. And then they actually said, he not only eats with them, he receives sinners. By the way, can we get some praise hands in the chat window that Jesus receives us sinners? That is really good news for us. And it's great news if you didn't know that about Jesus. He loves receiving sinners. Watch this. But the Pharisees of the day hated it. They couldn't comprehend why he would do such a thing. Why hang out with sinners, much less receive them and eat with them. And this is the point. You must earn your relationship with God and with me. This was their thinking. This is how they thought in the day about Jesus. Going, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't just love them because I've earned a relationship with God. I've earned a right relationship with God. And so they got to do the same thing. You can't just welcome and eat with them. And this is why Jesus told the story. In fact, it goes on and here's what it says. Jesus continued telling the story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. That's an important part. We'll come back to that a little bit later on, but the father divided the estate between them and the older son in this day would actually got double portion. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. We know that it involved parties, drinking, um, sexual activity. And here's what it says. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. I wanna tell you the truth about that very last statement. The younger son was actually in great need when he left the father's presence. The only difference now is he feels it. Isn't that true about us sometimes? We, we are in great need of our father's embrace and presence right when we leave him. But sin has a way of making life so fun, but that fun only lasts for a season and then we feel it. We feel and question what's happened. How did I get this far? I feel so far away from you, God. This happened to the younger son, but watch what happens here. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he longed, he wanted so badly to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Jesus continues with the story. 
when he came to his senses, that is a great place for this younger son to be. In other words, I was in need right when I left. What have I done? What do I do now? My life has spiraled out of control to a place I never wanted it to be. Didn't think this would be where my story would end because it feels like I am actually dying. So what do I do now that I'm coming to my senses? He said, how many, he's, he's remembering, he's thinking back to when he was at the house. How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. So here's what I'll do. I will set out, go back to my father and say to him, father, this is his speech. I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Great phrase. We talked about this the very first week. So he got up and went to his father. That's a good move by this kid right here. He got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. The phrase threw his arms around him, it literally in Greek means he buried his head on his neck is what it means. The father did, not the son who should have, but the father ran, buried his head on his son's neck and kissed him over and over and over and over. The son said to him, here comes his speech, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father cuts the speech off because the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring and put it on his finger and sandals on his feet. We haven't touched on this part of the story yet. I saved it for this moment. This part of the story is so cool to me. Here's what it says. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Why? For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. He says, bring the fattened calf. In this culture, there would be one cow that was by himself and you'd get him fat, you'd get him fat, you'd get him fat, you'd get him fat, you'd get him fat. You eat the others, get this one fat, get this one fat. Everybody knew that there would be one special occasion, huge party, fireworks, everything, live band. This was a moment to where fatty gonna die one day. We don't know when, we don't know the decision, but fatty going on the table. That was the day that the father said, go get fatty. Now, this is a great day for the son, bad day for the cow, right? But this is the moment where the father is saying, I'm giving everything to and for my son. Why? Because he's still valuable to me. Isn't it true that when we've been away for a season in a distant land, when we've done things we regret, we just don't think we're valuable anymore. We think we're a waste. We think I can't be used anymore. I'm, I've destroyed everything. All my relationships are ruined and I can't, I, I'm just not valuable anymore. That's why Jesus tells the story to reinforce that you are not what you did. You're still valuable. You're still special. So what did the father do? The father gave the son his best robe. That was week one of righteousness of the father going, it's okay, <laughs> We're okay, you've apologized. Now you are in right standing with me. You get not just a robe, you get the best robe that is reserved for honor. He also gave him this, a ring. Last week we talked about this, the authority and responsibility. Your life is not wasted. 
As a matter of fact, it's just beginning. This is a new chapter for you. It's a new day for you that you can be used at a greater degree than you ever thought possible. Why? Because you're still valuable. And here's what we learned today. He gave him sandals. Sandals meant sonship, full sonship. Many authors write about this day. And in this day, a servant in the house or a worker in the house would go barefooted, but only a son would actually wear sandals. And the word that is used in the passage, there are two different words for sandals in this passage. One is a Greek word that is used for a very, very cheap pair of flip-flops in the day where you could get them at, you know, a gas station if you need. Just give me something on my feet. The other would be a very expensive pair of sandals that you can only find at a specialty store and only the rich could provide them. The word that Jesus chose to use was the second word. It's a unique pair of sandals, a valuable pair of sandals. And it's one that you get because you are my son, not a servant, not a slave, full rights of sonship back on you in this house. I'm glad you're home and I love you. Welcome home. Now, when you keep reading the story, it gets even more crazy. Here's what it says in the story. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, Listen to what he heard. He heard music and dancing. That's loud dancing when you can hear it. We know, so we know he wasn't Southern Baptist. You know, I mean, you got music and, listen, I can say that because I grew up Southern Baptist. So I'm one of them. So, but it's music and dancing. This is a party of all parties. So the younger son, I mean, the older brother, the older son called one of the servants and asked him, hey, what's going on? Here's what the servant said. Your brother has come home, he replied. By the way, your brother, your brother, important. Your brother has come home, he replied. And your father has killed Fatty because he has him back safe and sound. Watch the rest of the passage. This is crazy. The older brother became excited, right? I mean, his younger brother is home. So he, surely he's gonna tell the servant, you gotta be kidding how we've missed him at this house. Like the Christmas presents are still stacked up over the last two years for him. Now he can open them up. Oh, we have watched our father weep at the table at an empty chair and he wouldn't let anybody sit in there. Hoping, hoping, I watched my father weep, hoping one day he would come home. And you're telling me today is the day? Absolutely, we should kill Fatty. I mean, this is what we should do. He should get everything. That's how the brother became, right? Right? No. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Let me stop. That's been the problem the whole time. He's never been in the house. He's just been at the house. He's never been in his father's love. He's just been around his father's love. So the father, watch this went outside for him the same way. The father went outside for both sons because both had left the intimacy and closeness of the father. It's not sin of what you do 
that keeps you away from Father's intimacy and love, it could be sin of what you think you don't do, which is pride and arrogance that keeps you outside of the Father's love. But the Father went outside for both. And here's what Jesus said in verse 29. And he answered his Father, look, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. The word is doulos. It's an interesting Greek word. And it's an interesting word that he chose. Hey, Dad, I've been slaving for you. And here come two lies. Never disobeyed your order. That's a lie. Everybody's a sinner. So all of these years, you never faltered on one request that your dad made. Come on, all the parents in the chat room, you believe him or don't believe him? Is it a lie? Just write it out. That's a lie. You know it's a lie. I don't care how good our kids are. No way. Every single order they've obeyed. Here comes the second lie. Yet, you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. How do I know that's a lie? Remember the first part of the story? Jesus said the father divided the inheritance to both sons and the older son would have gotten twice the inheritance. He wouldn't have got one goat. He would have gotten hundreds of goats more than the younger son would have received in that moment. But you see his perspective. He's so angry. And here's what it says. But when this son of yours, not my brother, I don't, I, I don't even know him. He was so bad, I've distanced myself from him relationally. This son of yours who has squandered your property with, oh no, prostitutes. Now we got the P word that's come up in the story. Listen, until now, we didn't even know that word even existed. We didn't know the younger son had even been with prostitutes until now. And he says, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Here's my question. How did he know prostitutes were involved? You ever thought about this? Like, did he meet some of them when he went looking for his younger brother to bring him home? Like, did word get out in the community that that's what the younger brother and he just heard? We don't know, but now he's bringing up, watch, the past that the father's already forgiven. He's bringing up the sin that the father's already made right. But that's just what Pharisees do. Remember, I'm right because I've been so good. And you should be good too if you want to be right. And if you want to be right with me, you need to also be good. And you're just not good enough. You see the perspective of the older brother. And look at what the father says, my son the word is technon. He didn't say my slave. The word is technon, my son. It's an endearing term. It's a close family, father, son term. My, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother, not this son of mine, this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. You know, Jesus is telling this story to a group of people who looked at sinners to say, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough unless you do all of these things and stay away from these things. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, that you really do. You feel like that the father doesn't love you because you're just not good enough. This whole story, and Jesus constantly tried to share 
It's grace. It's grace. It's grace. You'll never be good enough. You'll never earn a right relationship with God. It is God who loves you. You're valuable to him. So much so that he would actually do all that he could do to win you back to him, not pay you back, but to win you back to his heart. Why? Because this is what we learned about the story, that the father loves restoring his children. He loves it. He loves it. And he will do anything that he can to restore those who are lost, who are broken, who've spent it all, who's wasted their life, so they think, to bring them back home. Now, I told you there are four prodigals. Anybody know who the fourth prodigal is in the story? It's not fatty. Don't write the cow, though he was very excessive. Don't write the cow, okay? There's a fourth prodigal in the story. The fourth prodigal in the story is actually the storyteller himself, Jesus. Listen, he was so excessive, over the top, in his love for you, that he gave everything for you. His his mercy and grace was in so much abundance for you that he would give everything for you. Scripture says how he has lavished his love on us. It's not that he just gave us a love card. I love you and I love you and I love you. It says that he lavished, that's the word prodigal. He lavished his love on us by giving his life for us so that the father can put a robe of righteousness on us going, you don't owe me anymore. You see, here's the argument of the Pharisees. The kid must pay. You can't just walk back to the house and go, I'm sorry and everything be okay. No, no, no. The kid's got to pay for what he did. He lost everything. He squandered everything. Ruined your name, your reputation. He's got to pay. Jesus, the storyteller, is looking at them going, someone will pay for this kid. It just won't be him. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it for him and I'm going to do it for you and I'm going to do it for you. I know your past. I know your story. And here's the deal. You do need to pay but you don't have to because I'm going to take your place and I'm going to pay for you. That is the good news. What Bible says, good news of the gospel of Jesus. He did for you what you could never do in a thousand lifetimes. Why? So that you could hear your father say, welcome home. You don't owe me anything. Welcome home. I've got some responsibilities for you to help change this world. And welcome home. You are my son. You are my daughter. And I love you. And I'm so glad you're back where you really belong. And that's with me. Each week, it seems like someone who watches gives their life to Jesus Christ and comes home. And I want to give you that opportunity if that's you. I want to lead you in a prayer. Nothing magical about the prayer. It's just your heart of telling your heavenly father, I want to come home. I want to come home. And if that's you today, Would you pray with me? Just bow your heads wherever you are and just say these words. Father, I want to come home the best way I know how. I'm telling you that I'm sorry for all that I've done. I'm so sorry that I've ruined your name and reputation and the gifts that you've given me. And so I repent. I'm coming back to you. And I am receiving your gift of righteousness. I'm receiving your gift of responsibility 
and I'm receiving your gift of making me your child forever. Thank you, Jesus, for paying for my sins. Someone had to pay, and I want to tell you thank you for doing that. Thank you for coming back to life for me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for living in me now. As a gift, I receive you so that I could live for you and with you all the days of my life. Thank you for changing me today and welcoming me home. Amen.